Welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Understand this gospel, series 2, part 14. We left off in the scripture that Hebrews 9 and 16, that this hope is an anchor for the soul. Anybody that preaches a gospel that replaces hope with fear is evil company. According to scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15, anybody that preaches a gospel that replaces hope with fear is evil company. Mark them, Romans 16, 25, avoid them. Right? Because evil company corrupts good manners. We talked about the fact that the crux of the gospel is Paul's stance on resurrection. The fact that after this, there's, there's going to be more. Right? And that, that's guaranteed by the fact that it happened to Jesus. So our hope is not a hope in a vacuum. We're not hoping, you know how you're, you, you have a hope about something based on a dream or based on a fantasy or based on an expectation. It is valid, but you have no reference point. Does that make sense? You're, you're hoping that something could happen to you. You're hoping that um, you, you can win a Canadian immigrant visa, you know, or American green card lottery or something like that. But you don't even know how to navigate the internet. Does that make sense? So you're just hoping that somehow you wake up in the following day and somebody will give you a ticket to Canada. You don't even know what it takes to enroll for biometrics for a Nigerian passport. So your hope is unfounded. Does that make sense? Your hope is unfounded. The first thing anybody who is believing to travel abroad would like to do is to find out what the passport procedure is like. That's practical. So you can have hope and nothing, nothing stops you from having hope. But hope that is unfounded is useless. And the hope that we have in our salvation, in our resurrection, is not unfounded. Because it has been proven that it can happen. <laughs> Are you following me now? And that's the whole idea of, of what happened to Jesus. As a man, you must understand that Jesus did not resurrect as God. That's why he needed God to resurrect him. If the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, Paul says in Romans 8. He, God. Who raised up Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body. So who raised up Christ from the dead? God. Therefore, Christ was as what? Man. It's a man that needs God. That's why you see in Hebrews 5, that he, Hebrews 5, 9, that he prayed with vehement cries to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Jesus as a man told God, see, I have become a man. As per our agreement. Yeah? We know Paul tells Timothy, this is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Yes? John says in chapter 1, I think verse 14, and the word became flesh. That word that became flesh was God. 
Because in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, verse 2, and without Him was nothing made that was made. That's the Word that was in the beginning, that was with God. The Word was God. That's the Word that became flesh. I think it's a message or typity that says, and the living expression took on humanity. Yes? Let's see the TPT or the message. TPT, yes. So the living expression, referring to the word logos, became a man and lived among us. And we beheld his glory. So it was the arrangement that God will come in the flesh. Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful. His name, the name of the child that is born, and the son that is given will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. The name of the child that shall be born and the son that shall be given. The name of the child is Mighty God. Mighty God. God was manifesting. Don't, you see, you can't explain it away. Can't use theology and twist it. God was manifest in the flesh. Please look at Isaiah 9, 6 again. Look at this carefully. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name. Not and his names. This is the same figure of speech that is used in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit is Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit is. This is the same figure of speech that I used when I, I showed you was used when I taught you about the seven spirits of God. Seven expressions, the same spirit of God. God does not have seven spirits. If he does, which one did he give you? Which other ones did he hold back on? Same figure of speech that is used here in Isaiah 9 6 to say his name. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What is his name? Because it's not his identity. It is his authority. It's not his... It's not how you will call him. It's not how you will address him that is meant when he says his name. His authority, his constitution is wonderful. Counselor. Because he's the mighty God and the everlasting Father. Because he's God that is Father. But we're talking about the child now. So you understand when Paul begins to argue for let this man which was in Christ being you, Philippians 2. Says who humbled himself? Because why would it be considered humility? Because Paul says from verse 6 of, of Philippians 2 that he did not consider equality with God what should be grasped. In other words, he, James said he considered it not robbery to be equal with God, which means that Jesus standing and saying, I am God, was not him robbing God of glory. Was not, it was not Jesus walking in idolatry, trying to claim a title or an authority that was above him. That's what that thing means. Who considered it not a robbery to be equal with God. In other words, Jesus saying I'm equal to God is not Jesus robbing God of glory. Yes, 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 yes. It's not Jesus reducing God of his glory or his nature. 
Does that make sense? Yes, Jesus, it was not abomination. It was not a taboo for Jesus to say, I am a God with God. Yes, 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 yes. That's why Philip would say to him, show us the Father, and it will be okay for us. And he says, have I been with you? Have I? Have I been with you this long? And you do not know me? He who has seen the Father has seen me, for I am my Father, I one. Jesus did not speak from two sides of his mouth. Does that make sense? So he, he comes by divine arrangement as a man. Becomes man. So he died as a man. Because God, the whole idea of being gods is that you don't die. And this is what rages the argument in theological circles about how God is, God's son is apart from him. God had to be, he was a, a man that, that was not just giving birth to, you know, and then God then now glorified and adopted. If he was like everybody else, how come he took the Holy Ghost to get Mary pregnant? That already punctures a hole in your understanding and your logic. Because if he was a regular man, he should have come by regular seed. And the day I find something contradicting this or giving shedding light to it, I will come and tell you. But for now, this is where I stand. The logic is that he was born of the spirit because she asked, the virgin asked Gabriel. How sh- okay, I understand what you have said, but how shall these things be? Seen as I know not a man. And because this person that was coming had to be of pure seed that was not linked to the first Adam. God had to do the business himself. And in American language, they'll say, well, the Holy Ghost, God had knocked up. Did you understand? Imagine, that was the problem now with Moses, Joseph not understanding the issue. Mary comes to him and said, Joe, Joe say, eh. I have something to tell you. Eh. I'm pregnant. Hey. Joe will be like, I'm sure you'd be torn between asking how and straightly say, wait, who is responsible? Because, I mean, you and I both know that it wasn't me. And then while he's processing the fact that his virgin betrothed is pregnant and he dares to ask her who's responsible, while he's still dealing with the fact that she's even pregnant, she then answers him, it's the Holy Spirit that's responsible. If you were Joseph, how would you react? Who is responsible for your pregnancy? Holy Ghost. Hey. How malice. So you can understand why Joseph goes out of love. And I'll teach on that another day. Because that's where certain analogies are established in scripture. It was a type of what was to come. That Joseph will look at this and cover it. Because love covers. Because he could have embarrassed her, he could have made a mess of her. How can a virgin go and get pregnant when you are engaged to me? Not like today's men that will leak a video. It's animals that do that. Animals. Send a photo, send a video, send send a chart, send a screenshot. Yeah, which? No matter how hurt you think you feel. Everybody's life shouldn't shut down because you had a heartbreak. That, that name and shaming stuff, it's not, it's not the spirit of the God of, of love. It's not. Because it happened to Joseph and he said, he'll put her away quietly. We'll just keep going on like nothing happened. I don't need to explain what went wrong. He just determined to put her away quietly. And as he determined that, he made one mistake. He slept. Just he slept. Angel blocked him in his sleep. And say, don't try it. 
You will marry her. You will marry her. So imagine Joseph staying with Mary and not knowing her after the flesh, not knowing her carnally until after Jesus. And I've said to you many, many times, go and check the history of Jesus. You will never see that Joseph put mouth inside. Because he knew. Not only did he know it was not him, he knew who gave birth to him. Can you imagine that you are nannying a child of God, literally? The child is calling you Papa, but you know, hey, I'm just a caretaker. <laughs> so imagine Jesus trying to be naughty and Joseph wants to. You remember, and you know, you know, Gabriel was very menacing. Gabriel was very menacing. John tried to question. Gabriel vexed. Told, told Zechariah, his father, John's father. He said, you are asking how is this possible? He said, you know who I am? I'm Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. Because you challenge this, you will not speak until John is born. It was Gabriel that did that. God didn't send him. So now, picture that Gabriel telling Joseph, don't marry her and see what's happening to you. Joseph would have woken up very humble. He'd be like, Mary, my love. Three days, a 12-year-old boy is missing. Three days. Three days. He's found. Joseph is quiet. It's Mary who carried him for nine months. And I said, Jesus! We have been looking for you everywhere. Jesus now answered Mary. He said, Woman, do, do you not know? He said, He said, Do you not know? I have been about my father's business. Joseph said, I talk him. Put it in the TPT or, or the message. Why would you need to search for me? 12 year old boy. 12 year old. And Jesus tells his mother, are you looking for me? Don't you know I've been about my father's business? D- didn't you know that it was necessary for me, for me to be here in my father's house? But I thought they left Joseph's house to go to Jerusalem. My father's house consumed with him. Next verse. My answer. Joseph knew. But because he didn't speak much, no records of his responses are held in scripture. But Joseph will remember the angel. It's true. Child that my wife had without sleeping with any man. And then the person responsible appears and says, you must marry her. So if you go down and check Luke chapter 2, somewhere it's 46 or 47, there was somewhere there. It says that and the child Jesus grew. Child. Now teach about, I, I told you, I'll teach a series, who is this Jesus? I'll teach it. The child Jesus grew. Wisdom and stature, favor with God and with man. The child. Not the God. So he lived on earth as a man, even though he was a child or son of God. He died as a man. That's why he could bleed. And because he died as a man, he needed divine intervention. <laughs> Literally. To bring him back to life. That was why he cried in Hebrews 5, 7. Vehement cries to him who was able to deliver him from death. Put it up. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, 7. During Christ's days on earth, he pleaded with God. See that? Praying with passion and with tearful agony that God will spare him from death. 
And because of his perfect devotion, his prayer was answered and he was delivered. Because I explained what that means. The point is, Jesus was as a man when he died. And therefore, he needed God to raise him up. Why was God going through all the trouble that he, Jesus, might become the pattern son of our hope? Because if Jesus was raised as a God, we have a problem because we are not God. Does that make sense? We have been, been filled with the token of the Holy Spirit waiting for our adoption, but the blood that runs in our veins is not God's. By virtue of this, we have the first Adam. This body is the first Adam that gave you this. Then your hope is in vain. Because God raised God from the dead. But you see, it was man God raised from the dead. To show you the possibility of man being able to be raised from the dead. And that was what Paul said he was not ashamed of. He hinged everything about his conviction on the fact that God raised up Christ as the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn. In other words, God's intention was that Jesus would not be the only one he would raise from the dead into glorification, into immortality. Jesus was just the token. Jesus was just a token. So can I say this provocatively and carefully? Worship Jesus carefully. I, I said I would teach it. Oh, we worship Jesus. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Carefully. Because you elevate Jesus to the point where you see God and don't see your elder brother who you will be like. You will be worshipping God and you will have no hope. We are so fixated on Jesus as God. Just as we are so fixated on God as God. When he really wants you to know him as father. Because he doesn't need worship to be God. He doesn't need you calling him God for him to know he's God. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1. Don't rush it before made. In the beginning, God. Existence came and met God. So existence does not validate God. Are you following me now? God is not God because he created. God created because he's God. Does that make sense? Oh, look at this. Wonderful artwork. This person is an artist. That's not what happened with God. It's not the tangibility of creation that validates him as God. No, creation is just a minute, I emphasize, minute expression of his God nature. That's why this creation will cease and there's God. Does that make sense? Because God does not need this creation to be God. So that's why there is God. But heaven and earth, or some total, creation, will pass away and there is God. And then a new heaven and a new earth will come out of God because he is the mother of existence. No, existence doesn't validate God. God validates existence. Does that make sense? So he doesn't need you to be converted to, to tell him we worship you God. 
No, he knows. Passed by, by Moses in Exodus 34. Worshipped himself. No worship leader. No choir. No worship team. No hymn book. Hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. Used his hand. Covered Moses. And still passed by Moses. While his hand was covering Moses. And as his hand is covering Moses. And is passing Moses. He himself is singing. Said the Lord God. <laughs> Forgiving sin. Iniquity and transgression. Merciful to anger, abounding in love. He praised and worshipped himself. Yes. Worship is the only thing God cannot do for himself. It's a lie. The day the Lord showed me I repented. He praised and worships himself. Easy. When Moses said, who will I tell them sent me? What do you think he meant when he said, I am? What is that? Why, why didn't he say, go and ask the prophets to tell you. God wants to be modest, you know. Go and ask the other people that have been before, before you to tell you who I am. You know how Nigerian pride is? You don't know me, go ask about me. And that's why most times we make God to be an African. He says, I am. So he's not looking for validation as God. He's looking for your expression as sons that gives him the benefit of being a father. Does that make sense? So fear God all you want, that's your problem. Because it's fear that will keep you away from him. As God. Seeing him as father will make you instantly come into your knowledge of his love. Which will draw you to him. So we don't tremble when we come before this God. Therefore having boldness to access the holiest by the blood. That's what the writer says. So we have boldness. Jesus is God. We just saw that who became a man. So we worship Jesus. Not at the expense of seeing him as the token of what you will become. Because you see God, you will become God as in Jesus. So, you will worship God, oh, yes. You will worship Jesus, oh, yes. But you are seeing Jesus not as God, but as the evidence of what you will become. You can't worship Jesus as God so much and fear. That's why people are fearing him. That's why I say worship Jesus carefully. If you don't understand this, don't worry. It takes a, it takes a background of teaching. Yes, sir, yes, sir. To get here, go back and listen to all I've taught. But it's how you keep your eyes on Jesus so much as God, you will miss him as your hope. Because looking onto Jesus is not looking onto God, sir. Is looking onto what you are becoming. And God becomes an abstract that you are afraid of. How am I doing? Can I come? Shall I not come? But Jesus as your hope gives you the boldness to keep coming. Like I said to you on Sunday, keep coming. Keep looking because if you, Jesus, have entered and become that, as I'm looking at you, be, beholding you, I am becoming who you now are. That's why I've said over and over, Jesus is the God you can do business with. Hello? Because God, as God, dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see. <laughs> but Jesus gives visibility to God. So who is the God you can transact with? Jesus. Who is the God you can become? So you look at Jesus as the person, a 
as the God you will become. Jesus is who you will end up as. So worship him here, so, but remember he calls you brethren. The fact that you don't, something sounds strange to you. It doesn't mean it should trip you. Just come. Come on, let's look at the scriptures. Every time he's talking, he addresses you as brethren. That's why when you are saved, you were Ephesians 2. He, God, sat you not under Jesus in the heavenlies. Sat us with him. And according to Romans 8, made us joint heirs with him. Jesus' inheritance is not bigger than yours. And I'm sorry that church has twisted it in your mind. Auntie, Jesus' chair is not more special than yours. Forget the nonsense going on in church today where there is big thrones and then smaller thrones like chess, king, queen, knights, elders, deacons, ministers, creating a dichotomy between clergy and laity. It's not of God. A chair you cannot sit, a chair you can sit. You now start coming to church and your dream is to go from the fourth row to the third row. After two years, you are still on this row. Let me do more so I can come to the row behind pastor. After two, three years, you now come to the row of pastor from the left side. Because the chairs in the front row are still different. The farther away from the center. As you start to draw closer to the most holy place, the chairs... That's why you sit on a chair and start praying and start, start trying to appropriate a level. The kind of level you think qualifies for that chair. But he made us to sit together with Christ. For this reason, Hebrews 2, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus calls you brethren. How dare I treat you less? Jesus, who died for you, calls you brethren. Me, who am just a small caretaker, now see you as my servant. The devil is a liar. That's not scripture. I know how deeply entrenched in religion it is. No problem. But he calls you brethren. He doesn't call you subject. You have the same inheritance as him. You have the same position as him. You have the same authority as him. You have the same inheritance as him. Same. The only difference is that one has entered in corruption. One is still in corruption. That is the only difference and that is why your body is groaning to enter what Jesus has. Does that make sense? You and Jesus have the same thing. But flesh and blood cannot enter it. So, oh, how fortunate is this Jesus. Enter the waiters. So now our entire groan is to enter like he has entered. And become as he is. As. Otherwise, God would have failed in his attempt to bring many sons to glory. In the same way that he has brought Jesus into glory. So the glory Jesus is in 
is in that glory as a trust for us. You know when you put something in a trust, guaranteed that when you come to a certain age, it will pass over to you. The glory that Jesus has with the Father is as a trust waiting for us. So it cannot fail and we cannot not enter it because Jesus entered it and is holding it for us. That's why he's our preservative. Does that make sense? Because what will happen if we don't enter it? What are you holding it for? So he's in it in that glory as a trust for us. So when we say as with Jesus, so it's not a joke. So I repeat, worship Jesus. But see him correctly. So worship him carefully. To make an idol out of him. Because you know you venerate something you cannot become. You venerate something you cannot become. You look at something. Wow, wow. See Jesus there. See me here. Hey, God, oh Jesus. I worship you. You're not worshiping Jesus as a God you can never be. Worshiping him as your elder brother who you are exactly going to be like. That's why when you were saved, he made you worthy. What am I doing in talking about this thing? Are you, are you, are you getting it? What made you qualified? So I cannot say I am not righteous. I am righteous. Because Christ became righteousness for me. Who became for us righteousness. So he died as a man. Depending on God to raise him from the dead as a man. To prove that God is in the business of raising men. It's not God's. God is raising from the dead. It's men. Who would then be resurrected into God. And this is why, hey, hey, what am I doing here, Holy Spirit? You will make it good. This is why we will rule and reign with him. Because by the time we are transformed, Jesus cannot sit on a throne alone. When you say Jesus, sir, which one are you referring to? Because, sir, we are plenty. Jesus rules. Yeah, okay, here we are. Jesus reigns. We reign. Jesus judges. We judge. In the day of the Lord, in the last dispensation, it will not be Jesus. Go and look after this. When God says Jesus, hey, the number of us that will answer. Because that is God's ultimate sons. Adopted. All of them having the full nature of their father. All of them. It's not an African father that gives the largest 200 by 200 land to the firstborn. Does that make sense? Then the 100 by 50 to the secondborn. Then the 50 by 50 to the one I see in university. Then that small shop in the back, that small company that has four shops to the last one. Like, you know how they structure the wheels? Or when you marry. Or when you, you know those conditional staggered inheritances. Not with our God. Exactly what Jesus has is exactly what we have. Again, it is what you see in Luke 15. The Father divided the same inheritance to them and said, Divided equally between them. Nobody got less. 
Nobody got less. So what I, what I have is the only problem now is I'm in this nonsense body that cannot express what Jesus is now expressing. That is the only difference between you and Jesus now is your body. Hence the groan. So I can't wait to sow this seed, man. I reap that harvest. That's the hope we have as believers. That's why we can't be afraid of death. Like I said to you on Sunday, whether you pray for it, prepare for it or not, it is Jesus that prepared you for death. Not your prayer. I'm about to die, Father Lord. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Father, any sin, conscious and unconscious, known and unknowing, willing and unwilling, indeed, thought or speech of omission or commission. Knowingly and unknowingly, deliberately and deliberately, consciously and unconsciously, but I've committed, Father, Lord, forgive me in the name of Jesus. You now feel like, okay, now you can die. What if you don't have, what if you don't see death coming? And it's, it's not like you're a bad person, no. Just like you're, you're okay, let's look, at, let's look at this carefully. Knowing and unknowing, that means you admit, oh, religious fellow, that there's a possibility of a sin being in your life unknown. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked, Unknown means something you don't know. Uh, is that not so? Yeah. Willing and unwilling, something that's unwilling means that you did something you didn't even have the, 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 the will, the intention, the desire to do. So if you say, oh, forgive me of unknown sin, that means you know there's unknown sin. If there's unknown sin and you're saying, forgive me of unknown sin, and then you die before asking for unknown sin to be forgiven, and then you go to hell for unknown sin, then what do you confess unknown sin for? That's why you have an advocate. You cannot do it yourself. First John 2 and 2. First John 2 and 2. And if anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Stay here, give us an antipathy. 2 and 1, 1, 1 John. You are my dear children and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sins, we continually have a forgiving redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The message. Put the message up. All right. This dear children to guide you out of sin. But if anyone does sin, we have a priest friend. So all you need to do is remember who is speaking for you. Because, excuse me, you cannot speak for yourself. You can't confess from now till eternity. You can't speak for yourself. So religion gets angry when I say, according to scripture, you cannot plead the blood. You're not a high priest. Only the high priest can apply the blood and once. So you cannot... Fight for forgiveness. You can't fight. You can't hustle forgiveness. You have to go through the advocate. You have to trust the advocate's judgment. You have to trust the advocate's judgment. You don't give him your file and then in court stand up and say, I want to speak for myself. No gown, no wig, no bar school certificate to speak for myself. It's not admissible in court. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
you have to trust the advocate. In your trust of the advocate is your assurance of perpetual acceptance before the Father. It's not in how many sins you remember to confess. It's in how much you remember that my advocate will never ever let me down. Ever. Ever. Let me down. You messed up. You shouldn't be messing up. You, you, know, you yourself, you know. But you messed up. Don't forget who undergirds you. We have an advocate. Jesus the just. Watching over his investment in trust. Until you come into it. That's our hope. So if it happened to Jesus, if God could transform Jesus as a man into the phenomenon he is now. Somebody get me out of this body. So I may become as he is. So Jesus is more importantly our hope. Do you understand? Don't look at him as object of worship and forget that all Jesus came and did was to give you hope of what you will become. Of who you will become. All of this was not, oh my God, Father, help that the maturity of your people will come into alignment with this. Because Jesus was not God giving you a second expression to worship. God did not go through all of this to give you another dimension of him that you can worship. Oh, by all means, worship him. He's God. But that was not the intention of God for Jesus. The entire intention of God for Jesus is to show you who you can become. It wasn't God saying, I know you know me as God. You know me as Shaddai, let me give you Jesus. So you can also now use him and worship me. That wasn't the intention of the Father. The intention of the Father was to show you who you will become. The format in whom you will become him. The format in which men will become God. And not consider it robbery. That is when we now get to the fulfillment. of Let us make man. In our image and after our likeness. What do you think God meant? Junior gods? No. Ask God. In the form of Jesus. So worship God. Acknowledge the love of your father. And keep your eyes on the song. Worship God. Acknowledge the love of the father. Keep your eyes on the song. Don't fear the song. Friend the song. Don't fear the song. Friend the song. We are brethren, sir. Jesus is not superior to you. Jesus is not superior to you. You are just trapped in this body until we are adopted as he has been. It's when he was resurrected, he was given the name. That's when he was adopted, though. That's when he was born again, though. 
how God highly exalted Jesus. When? When he resurrected. Give him the name. The name we shall share with him. That's why all our names are written in him. Because he is the book of life. That's a big book. So I've said over and over, when the book is flipped, it's only one name they will call. Many of us will answer. Because only one name is reckoned with in heaven. At the name. Only one name. So they will be looking for your name, looking for joy. No, 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 no. Are you in him? That's God's intention. Also worship God. Acknowledge the Father's love. Keep your eyes on the Son. Don't fear him. Friend him! your eyes on the sun. Don't fear him. Friend him. We are brethren. A human lawyer gets people out of trouble all the time. Then my advocate, the inventor of law and prosecution, stand before the throne of heaven and can't speak. The defense rests. You can't rest. That's what I mean. So you're there. That's what I mean. That's the hope we have. That's why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 9, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, sure and steadfast that has entered that hope. Put it back up. Let's continue. The end there. Sure, both sure and steadfast. Hebrews 6.19. Both sure and steadfast. Which... This hope enters the presence. This hope enters the presence behind the veil. This hope, this advocate, this high priest enters the presence behind the veil. Next verse, 20. Where the forerunner has entered for us. Who are we talking about? Even Jesus Advocate or priest forerunner having become high priest. He's our peace. He's our hope. He's our righteousness. He's our advocate. He's our first fruits. He's our forerunner. He's our high priest. Sure and steadfast. Hallelujah. This is why we boast in that hope. That's why we boast in that hope. So we are saved, they are put here. We are saved into an inheritance. Remember that? That's how we started. We are saved into an inheritance. We are saved into the church. Remember that from church consciousness? We are saved into a hope that is coming. That's why we are sons who will become sons. Remember that? But we are also saved into a present reality. Oh, we are saved into a hope. But that hope doesn't divorce us from our reality. We are saved into a present reality. 
Are you here? That reality is the reason for transformation. And I, I, will, I will explain that in a minute. <laughs> I said we are sons who will become sons. We're saved into a hope. But we're also saved into a reality. In other words, we're not living in a bubble until our hope comes. Does that make sense? So that song says, I will not wait until it comes. So here and now, my praises shall raise. Even here on the earth, now, we're not men, men. You can't, you can't have this depth of hope and be normal. You can't. You can't have this hope and live how everybody else lives. You can't have this hope and talk how everybody else talks. Hang out where everybody else hangs out. Do what everyone else does. Sounds how everyone else sounds. Of a reality, it transforms us. So hope is an effect of the gospel. Transformation is an effect of the gospel. That brings us into the practice of the gospel. Are you here? So the gospel works for us in three ways. The gospel, number one, works for us. Salvation. You know you didn't work salvation. Salvation is exclusively an act of God without the participation of a man. If you partnered with God for your salvation, please go and get saved. If there's a percentage of your participation in your salvation, that, that, you see that's why it's yours. <laughs> Any salvation you can take credit for is not salvation. Like any righteousness that you generated for yourself. It's not righteousness. It's filthy rags. That's why I said your own attempt at being good, even if you succeed, equals to being bad. Your own effort at being good, even if you succeed, equals to being bad. Here's how you know a self-righteous person. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't womanize. I don't gamble. I don't watch uh, 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 dirty films. Which one is clean? Who watched it? I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't get angry, I'm not violent, I'm very peaceful. That is a self-righteous man who doesn't know the righteousness of Jesus. And what God calls that is filthy rags. I've said over and over, according to scriptures, God has never imputed righteousness on the basis of morality. So if you are standing and floating around like a chicken in heat or I'm going around and carrying your head up like a peacock and you know, you know what, I, I don't do any of these things. You know, you're telling me that you don't need what Jesus did. Again, that's why we don't preach our experience as the gospel. I was a bad boy. The gospel saved me. So when, what if somebody's not bad? I was a cultist. I met Jesus. He transformed me. I put down my knife. How about somebody who has never killed a fly? You're not telling me that, therefore. That the person who has never hurt anybody does not need Jesus because Jesus only transforms bad boys to good boys. I was a prostitute until I met Jesus. What if I have never, I'm like Mary before Holy Spirit? I I don't need your Jesus. If all he does is make bad girls good, what does he do to good girls? Means good girls don't need Jesus. They're too good for him. Gospel is bigger than morality. Morality is not the gospel. Morality is not salvation. Religion has preached it for many years. Most of what you know as righteousness is morality. 
That's why I said to you over and over, religion says do, do, do. Grace says done, done, done. So the gospel worked for us. We didn't work with the gospel. Yeah, salvation is what God worked for us. Are you here now? And I explained to you the three stages as it were of salvation. Yeah, salvation from sin. The soteria package, the accessories package. And the final salvation. Remember that? And after that, God rested. Because your sins don't deal. Right? As, as far as this is from the West, so has he removed your transgression from you? Right? Blessed are they whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquity the Lord remembers no more. No more. Who forgive, forgive our trespasses. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sin. Ephesians 1.7, Colossians 1.14. Sin, done deal. <laughs> Sorted. So he's rested. Right? Second way the gospel works. The gospel works through us. The gospel works through us. Number one, the gospel works for us, as in salvation. Number two, the gospel works through us, as in ministry. By his spirit, publishing and preaching and prospering his word. The gospel works through us, as in ministry. 2 Corinthians 6 and 1. That's, you see the context of Paul coming from 2 Corinthians 5 when he says that we are ambassadors. If any man be in Christ, yeah, remember that? New creation, all things are passed away. All this is of God, yeah, who has made us reconcile us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation, which was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not uh, imputing that trespasses against them and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, So we urge everyone to be reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors as 5 and 20 and then into 21. We are uh, 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 ambassadors because in 21, for we know that he, God made him only no sin to become sin, that we may become righteous of God in Christ Jesus. That's the end of 21. And then he goes into chapter 6 and verse 1. Same thought, same flow. Chapter changed, the thought continues. Right? So it's 6 and 1, he now says, we then as workers together with him, or co-workers, as some translations will say. Or even partners, some will say. Let's see in the TPT, 6 and 1. TPT. Are you still here? Yes, sir. So, TPT says co-workers. You see that? Go on. Uh, the message. Companions as we are in this work with you. So, this is not us partnering with you or God partnering with you or you partner with us for salvation. Does that make sense? It is partnering or working together as per ministry. The ministry of reconciliation we just saw in chapter 5. When reading your Bible, do not let the change of a chapter interrupt the train of thought. In other words, the thought or the context of what is being talked about doesn't necessarily cease because the chapter changed. Are you here? Because scriptures were not originally written with chapters and verses. They were written as letters, epistles, scrolls, dictations. That's why they had scribes. Scribes were writers who took down oral tradition and made them into what was written. So it could be referenced. Hence there were Pharisees, Sadducees and scribes. Scribes could attest to scripture because they participated in writing it down. So a scribe could easily tell you, that is in the scriptures. Yes, yes, yes. I remember transcribing that. You get it? 
Uh, yeah, 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 we transcribed that. The scribes. So it was at the point of writing that that's how they came. They came in transcriptions, they came in scrolls, they came in epistles. Verses came as late as 500, 600 years ago. And depending on how you look at it, 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 it has become one of the worst undoings of the faith. That's what introduced the nonsense of carrying one verse. And making doctrine or dogma out of it and preaching it out of context. Because now you can say it is 1 Timothy 2 verse 18. And you ignore the entire context of the thought. Because you have managed to cram 19 verses. John 3 16. You don't even know what it means. That's why till today, majority of believers are not John 3.16. Don't know the setting of John 3.16. Who was Jesus talking to? John 3.16 was Jesus telling Nicodemus. And it's the only time Jesus referred to born again. Only time. And he was not the multitude or even his disciples. It's Nicodemus. At night. And after John 3, 16, what happens in 17? You have not a slight idea. No idea. You yourself will say that you shall not perish. You yourself will have everlasting life. You will not look at someone and say, are you saying that you are one saved forever saved? So what does everlasting life mean? What does he became the author of eternal salvation mean? We didn't invent the words there in scripture. So see the unfortunate scene that we're in, we're in now. When we speak a verse, we have to now show you. Please, oh, open your eyes. Go back to where this thing is coming from. Oh. That's why you can't, you can't despise sound teaching. You can't, you can't, you can't. It takes time. It takes time. If you're impatient, you will always be subservient to those that have knowledge. Because he who doesn't know will serve he who does. Is anybody listening to me? He who doesn't know will serve he who does. Life principle, it will never change. So when we're teaching you that you may know, please, no. Please. No. So now 6, six one of Second Corinthians cannot be talking about salvation. Can be talking about you co-working salvation. It has to be co-working ministry of reconciliation coming from chapter 5. Does that make sense? So when we are workers together with him, it's not for working out salvation or for working in salvation or for processing salvation. It's to be God's expression of it in the world. Ministry to the world. Does that make sense? Very important. So that takes us to the next point. Preaching the gospel, therefore, if we are co-workers with God for ministry, preaching the gospel is not optional. Go back to CCB. The crash conscious believer is driven by zeal to preach the gospel. I said that we're now in the territory of the practice of the gospel. If all the gospel does is excite you in your hope and it doesn't allow God to walk through you to minister it, you are deluded. The excitement of the gospel cannot just end with you. I said in church consciousness that there's a lot of people that are saying I'm righteousness of God to their own detriment. You know, you're boasting, I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm justified. What does that do for the world? Preaching the gospel is not optional. Say it to yourself. This thing is easy to tell your neighbor. Tell yourself. Oh, yes. It's not optional. 
There's already a problem. If You know why we have so many adherents of wrong doctrine? Because those with the truth are quiet. The truth is not out there because you are silent with it. So you have to take it out there. Everybody must preach the gospel. Can we all say that together? Say it again. Everybody. Everybody must. So if you have sat here and you can't replicate, then you are not practicing the gospel. It means you have blocked God's work through you. And you have settled in his work for you. And that's an irresponsible child. That's a child who hasn't risen up to responsibility. That's where a lot of new creation believers are in the zone of what God did for you. We don't give, we don't talk, we don't pray, we don't commit, we don't grow. Because we're just happy to be in the zone of what God did for us. And enjoy the euphoria of the fact that God will never judge you according to the measure of your sin. Enjoy the fact that you have a living hope as with Jesus, so with us. And you don't allow yourself to get to the point where God begins to use you as his ambassador. That means every, each and every one of you insults the privilege of somebody else preaching to you if you don't preach to another. And there's somebody that will not come into this truth until you say it. This is where the gospel becomes real. It's not optional. Preaching the gospel is not for path. We're not sent into the world to make sons. It's God that makes sons. People should, as far as, listen, as far as the gospel is concerned, people should know you for something. Be someone that blesses them with the gospel or embarrasses them with it. Be known for the gospel. Does that make sense? Be known for the gospel as far as they are accepting it from you. Be known for the gospel as that they are mocking you for it. Or shaming you for it. But you cannot, listen, let me put it this way. As a son of God who has walked into hope, is a travesty for you not to be known by the gospel. If you are known apart from the gospel, you are not an ambassador for the gospel. The, the gospel should be how we even have conversations that have to do with you. Does that make sense? I repeat, whether we like you for it or whether we love you for it, whether we approve you for it, applaud you for it, or whether we embarrass you for it, we should know you by the gospel. Are you a son? Have you heard the gospel? As you grow with it, you go with it. Hello? As you grow with the gospel, what do you do with it? You go with it. The whole idea of teaching you the gospel is so that you can do the work of ministry. Ephesians 4, 12 and 13. For the equipping, go back to 12, of the saints for the work of ministry. What ministry? The ministry defined in 2 Corinthians 5. Right? And that's the ministry that all the saints have together. Letting people know what we have come into on account of what we have known. The gospel works through us. Are you here? Remember I told you earlier on that great commission, what they call the great commission, is not an assignment to even save souls. It's an assignment to preach the gospel. The saving is not of you. Preach the gospel. Walk away. Knock on someone's door. 
Speak in the cab. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Speak in class. Grab one of them speakers. Stand up in the market. Why, why not? Who is, who is going to do it? Who's going to do it? So somebody has to break the norm and reach people like this with something they've never heard. See, people are not resisting the gospel just because of being evil. They haven't heard. And I've said over and over and over and over, majority of Christians have heard a preacher preach. They've not heard the gospel. Majority of Christians have been churched. They've not heard the gospel. That you heard a preacher stand up and preach doesn't mean you heard the gospel. So don't assume that what you have is common to everybody. People haven't heard it. And the only reason why they haven't heard it is because you haven't said it. I don't live in your compound. Does that make sense? So they have to hear it from you. If you hold back, somebody will not hear the gospel. Everyone must preach the gospel. Nothing replaces or substitutes the preaching of the gospel by the believer. Who is making a determination to practice the gospel by preaching? Preach it. Preach it. Somebody ask you a question when you preach it and you have the answer, give them. If you don't have the answer, tell them I will come back to you. You don't have to know it all to preach it. I, your teacher, I don't know it all. I don't. I don't. Every day I study, I see light. That's why there are scriptures, you will get to the scriptures layer, over layer, over layer, over layer, over layer. You don't, until we enter that day of the Lord, we'll keep seeing. We'll keep seeing. So if you come across a hard question, tell them, how do I find you? Let's have John, we'll pick this up where we left off. Find a teaching, especially when it has been taught. Eat it, chew it, go back. Say, I'm ready for you now. You cut your teeth by practice. Does that make sense? It's a phrase for developing dexterity, gaining mastery by doing. What you're doing, you will not be able to be good at. You have to be doing it to be good at it. You can't perfect a skill in your head. <laughs> Do you understand? You're learning to, 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 to sew. You are never on a machine. You are, you're on YouTube. Then the first time you now sat on a machine, you realize you couldn't sew in a straight line. Yes, and you were embarrassed. But you have looked at it so much. You have done it in your dreams. You have done it. You have watched it. You're like, it's just to put it like this. And then pedal it, pedal it, just pedal it, pedal it, pedal it. <laughs> and then the first time you stepped on the, 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 the fabric ran away from you. Am I the only one? Literally, the fabric runs away from you. And then you look at your straight line. And you're struggling. Or the annoying one, the thread starts to model up. But you have been watching tutorials. So you can't get better at what you're not doing. Is this helping anybody? It's only what you're doing you get better at. What you're not doing, you're never improving. You never gain mastery over. Always expect him to use you. Yes, Tell your neighbor. Oh, yes, I've lived like this for as long as I can remember. I never show up anywhere without the consciousness that he might use me. Every meeting, every single meeting I show up in, there's a word on my mouth. I'm not going to minister. I'm just going. 
But you won't call me and say, Pav, come and pray. And there's not a word on my lips. For years. Why? Because I always expect God to use me. Always. A pastor many years ago said to me, she said, it's better to be prepared for a battle and have none to fight than to have a battle come your way you're not prepared for. She said to us, have it and not need it instead of need it and not have it. Have it and not, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and you don't have it. Because you don't lose even if it's not needed. You have it. No one is taking it away from you. But now we need it. Even you need it. You don't have it. That's why you don't see us fretting. Ever. Oh, what will I say? What will I sing? Always expect God to use you. He left you on the earth after saving you so that you can be an ambassador for what you have come into. Say it again to your other neighbor. Always expect God to use you. Then say it to yourself with your hand on your chest. Always expect God to use you. Because he's always wanting to. God has no legal tender in the earth except the body of a man. God, you see God, God, God. God cannot do anything on the earth outside a man's body. Any activity on the earth outside a man's body is illegal. That's why he was leaving the earth but had work to do in the earth. So he adopted a what? A body. Yes. So how is, now, how is Jesus now doing his work on the earth? Through his body. If Jesus will go to the prison, his body has to go there. Hear him talking to his disciples. He says, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. Remember that parable? I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. Then he says, I was in prison. You didn't visit me. And then his disciples will say to him, Master, when did we see you hungry? Because as selfish as you are, if Jesus physically showed up in your house, that money you are hiding, you bring it out to cook for Jesus. Jesus comes now and says he wants a brand new Toyota 4Runner 2020 model. Limited edition. He wants to travel with it for crusade in Obubra. You will now remember that there's three plots of land he left for you. That you cannot give to church, but you can buy that forerunner 2020 brand new limited edition 22 inch wheels. It's based on this thought that they said to Jesus, When did we see you hungry? And enough in you, Jesus. No, now you, you understand the argument. No, 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 come on. Last, no, 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 what bad as he bad? <laughs> Jesus, hungry. No, now after dying for my sins. No, no, don't talk that thing. Where are they? No, no, don't do that. You get why? Jesus, hungry. What do you want to eat, Master? Name it and claim it. What do you want to eat? Because you will not see Jesus hungry. Not feed him. Jesus, naked. Jesus. They don't sell clothes in the market again. Then somehow you, savior of my sin, in prison. No, no, I'll stop everything and visit you. Jesus turned to them and he said, Surely 
that you did not do that to any of these ones. It was me. You didn't do it to. So he said, that's why I said, worship Jesus carefully. Because you are venerating Jesus. Jesus, I would do anything for you, all your songs. What will I do if you leave me? I give you my everything. If you are giving Jesus your everything, give it to me. That's how Jesus defines taking your everything. Give it to your brother. Give it to the church. Give it to the world. How, 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 how? Not possible. As surely as you did not do it to one of these, it was me you deprived. He wants to use you. He left you. That's why he left you here. So he can use you to extend the ministry of reconciliation to the world. To a lost and dying world. Expect God to use you. It's you he will use. It's your voice he will amplify. It's your life he will use as an example. Righteous men must stand up in righteousness. And I'm not talking vices and weaknesses. I'm talking being an ambassador of the gospel of Christ. That men can see you and have hope that the future can be better. That's the fragrance you should leave on the the lips of everybody you meet. Anybody dealing with you should have hope that they can be better. Not see you as part of the problem. People have to meet you and encounter you and know that you are proof. Just like Jesus is proof of our resurrection. You must be proof of the reality of your salvation in the here and now. Here and now. It doesn't matter what opinion people have of you out there. When they encounter you, they should know they encountered the God kind. Are you hearing me? They should know they encountered the God kind. And this is proof that number three, God is working in you. (laughs) The gospel of God works for you. The gospel works through you for ministry. The gospel works in you, transformation. (laughs) You heard that? The gospel works for you, salvation. Works through you, ministry. Works in you, transformation. Transformation is proof of the gospel received. Creation is honestly expecting the manifestation of sons. Let's give them a foretaste of what's to come. Let's make our sphere of life now a better place as a token of the better that is to come. If every time somebody does something for you, you subjugate them. That's not the spirit of God. Every time you beat somebody down to the very last and you know, you know, you know, you know that you, you, you got away with too much. Because you see, every time that you know that you overflogged the bargain, the Holy Spirit tells you. Every time you got it for 3,000, when you know that 5,000 is a good bargain, but because you had sharp mouth and open eye, You beat it down to 3K. When you walked away, the Spirit of God convicted you. If you allow the Holy Spirit, He will tell you, you are pressing this thing too low. How do you think she will make her profit? You know the price of this thing. Same applies to when you price something too high. But that's what we're up against. So everybody's on the edge. Everybody's on the defensive. Because everybody knows that everybody's looting everybody. Everybody's looting everybody. Everybody's vandalizing everybody. Everybody's taking advantage of everybody. And the church must let God walk through us. The gospel must be loud through us. 
That's the practice of the gospel on account of the effect of the gospel. There must be transformation. But let, this is enough to practice if you are committed to practicing. Stand for the truth. You don't have to be aggressive or violent. Just say the truth. Speak the gospel to someone. Show the gospel to them. You have to speak. Tell yourself you have to speak. Don't say I have to speak. Sometimes you're not here if you say I have to Tell yourself like third person you have to speak. Yes. Yeah, sometimes address yourself in third person. Like David you say why so downcast oh my soul. Put your hope in God. That was David speaking to himself. And he didn't say, why should I cast my soul? Put my hope in God. You have to speak at yourself sometimes. Come out of yourself. Look at yourself and tell yourself you have to speak. And let there be the fragrance of the knowledge of his glory in every place. Hallelujah. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at war the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.